0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Time now for our weekly look at the world of entertainment and the business side of the industry. Cynthia Littleton is the business editor for Variety, and she joins us on the phone. Cynthia, thanks for your time. Thank you. Byron Allen, the longtime talk show host involved in litigation with Comcast over discrimination, this is now headed for the Supreme Court. What's going on here?
1: Yeah, this was a case that really, I think, has surprised a lot of industry veterans, um, surprised that it has become so hard fought and gone on this long. But it did, in fact, go to the high court on Wednesday in a, you know, is a, a very specific hearing about a specific legal issue of legal interpretation. It wasn't on the, the broad merits of the case but it was still interesting to get a glimpse of how the justices are viewing, you know, a very difficult issue of 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 you have an entrepreneur who is saying that race was a big factor in uh, a media giant the size of Comcast declining to carry my channels and that as you can you know opens up just a, a number of thorny issues about access and availability to market opportunity it's a it's a very interesting case and i think it, it's it, we haven't heard the last of
0: it. so how is mr allen saying that comcast discriminated against him in their decision to not carry this uh this group of channels i think it's about seven channels that he has under his uh under his wing
1: well uh byron allen has said in in court documents um this this case has been going on since 2015 so there's a lot of there's a quite a paper trail um, he has said in court in court filings that he had he and members of the team of his company called Entertainment Studios have had you know heard racially charged remarks. Um, there there's a lot of they've cited them in many of the complaints uh, racially charged remarks. There there are other things that he said he was misled by Comcast executives telling him to do to take certain steps to make his channels more appealing to Comcast to get a carriage deal which is a carriage deal with Comcast is really pretty crucial for yeah. any programmer that wants to have a national platform so there's a there's a lot of he said he said in this case and it it hasn't gotten to the point of being of these facts being aired even in a discovery or deposition type of a setting there's been so much fighting just on the just on at the very get-go of this case, so to see it go four years later to the Supreme Court was was quite
0: interesting. So, where are these channels being carried right now? Um,
1: they they are carried on a, a number of large distributors, a number of large cable companies, and Directv. Uh, Directv is is the, the the largest you know single cable distribution platform in the country. And Byron Allen did file a similar lawsuit against. DirecTV, right around the time that AT&T was buying DirecTV, and so at a time when a company is look, seeking federal approval for a transaction, it's a terrible time for a company to have headlines that they're be, that they're facing a racial discrimination suit. Uh, so, at, um, after the Allen sued AT&T, there was a there was a settlement, and the channels are carried. So he does have distribution, but Comcast. Not being on Comcast is a very big hole yeah, for when somebody trying to launch a national, trying to have a national presence.
0: Yeah, when you think about all of the financial uh, benefits that you get from being on a, a Comcast system and what you can get potentially advertising wise for being on a system like that, it's, it it's a, it's, it's a, could be a very much a, a high million dollar decision, if not close to a billion dollar decision.
1: Well the suit the initial suit did sue Comcast for 20
0: billion in damages. Yeah. So it's a significant amount. Richard Plepler is back in the news, the former HBO chief looking to do a production deal with Apple TV. Tell us more.
1: Well, everybody's been wondering what is going to be Richard Plepler's next move. Um speaking of AT&T, uh Ple- Plepler, you know, there's just been no shortage of drama and almost a sense of musical chairs in Hollywood and in the television landscape in the last couple of years. And uh, Richard Plepler was a very successful longtime HBO exec, led the company for you know, uh, about 12 years as CEO, came up the ranks, and was very much part of an old guard at HBO that really made HBO what it was, The Sopranos, The Game of Thrones, The Prestige. The it's not TV, it's HBO. That very much all came out of Richard Plepler and that, that generation of executives that built HBO and um but as these things happen AT&T bought bought uh HBO's parent company and in the, in as with any merger there's always you're going to you know going to break some eggs in a merger and they AT&T made the decision to to have a pretty sweeping management realignment and Richard Plepler felt his uh, you know his authority was being diminished in this new scenario so he left the company in late February which was which was a surprise to observers even given the merger scenario because all the indications were that AT&T was wanted to continue stay the course with HBO but obviously that changed once the deal closed as is often the case and so he left in February and has kept a fairly low profile um but people have wanted to know what he'll do next because he's I mean he's just an incredibly Well-connected, has an incredible track record, and um, a production deal like this, for, for executives that reach that height, a production deal of this size is very common, and so he will, after being a buyer of programming and a marketer of programming, for all these years he will try his hand at actually getting in the trenches and producing and yeah. you know some executives make that make that shift well and some don't. So why
0: so then why Apple TV because uh, 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 correct me if i'm wrong in, in the scope of the streaming world right now uh Apple TV obviously has a, a big backing but do they have a whole bunch of content at this point?
1: Well, Apple TV has just gotten off the ground and you know at this pretty insane time in the kind of programming universe. Um, Apple Apple TV, hard to believe that with a, a show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston's return to series television, um, Apple got off the ground and has, you know, they have some very starry properties, but they in a world of where your your content and your worth is measured in, you know, dozens of shows, they had a small number of shows. It it's definitely going to be an uphill climb even for a comp- company the size of Apple. And so because of that, they have every they have every need to to both bring in people that, you know, Richard Plepler is a smart bet to put together some pretty interesting programming, very high end. And they also need to indicate to the larger creative community Hey, we are in this. We are writing big checks. We are committed to bringing in people that we think are going to get us, you know, incredible, incredible content. So I think Richard Plepler needed a needed a a, a very, you know, a, almost a prestigious home. And say what you will, Apple is still one of the world's biggest companies, and you know, and you know, a trillion dollar market cap it definitely, you know, attracts a lot of attention. So I think it was it was kind of a perfect fit for both. Plepler needed a good place to land, and Apple needed a heavy hitter to indicate, you know, hey, we are, we're just getting started here.
0: It, it sounds like, as well, staying on the streaming uh, theme, there that there there are, is the potential of some negotiations, some labor negotiations coming up in Hollywood over the next few months, and streaming may play a role front and center into how this all plays out.
1: Oh, streaming absolutely will play a role front and center. In these negotiations, um, you know, every every 10 to 15 years, it's pretty reliable that you're going to have some kind of new technological development, some new way of exhibiting, exhibiting movies and TV shows. You know, 20, 30 years ago, or more now, it was it was VHS tapes. You know, when we thought that putting a tape in your VCR, it couldn't you know it couldn't have got more high tech than being able to watch a movie whenever you wanted, and that. whenever you get to a big sort of technological leap, there is inevitably behind the scenes in Hollywood, there's going to be some labor management consternation because every new way of distributing a movie or TV show, there are directors, producers, actors, writers behind that TV show saying, hey, Howard, you know, I need to be compensated for this new form of exploitation. And that's what the Hollywood labor guilds, the WGA, the DGA – DAG-AFTRA, they are all in the next, um, in the first half of next year, all will have contracts coming up. So you're going to see a lot of the unions, the unions are going to come in and say, you know, streaming is absolutely overtaking the traditional television industry in terms of volume, certainly in terms of of buzz, and, and in terms of, you know, where the companies are betting that future profits will be. And so the the guilds are going to say, hey, we need we need improved royalty and residual payments for when our work is shown in on the streaming platform, and the companies are going to say, you know, I can I, I mean I can pretty much write the script. The companies are going to say, my God, take a look at what we're investing. We're trying to build these big things to make to keep Disney and AT and to keep these companies profitable. We can't we can't possibly afford the kind of raise that that the that unions are gonna are gonna ask for. Right. And then the negotiations will be somewhere in that somewhere in that gray area. But it will be for all of the unions I think it will be a very spirited negotiation because there's a lot of things at stake and a lot of new elements that people don't know exactly know how to deal with and that's a very difficult thing to address in the context of a heated labor negotiation. So
0: it's it sounded like a moment ago you said that the the structure that is in place now in terms of the payments uh, and, and the royalties on a lot of these, uh, a lot of these pieces of content that are appearing on a variety of different platforms, that that needs that that structure needs to be redone because of streaming playing such a big role.
1: I, I believe redone, or certainly, you know, the, the the unions would like to see the rates of the rates of those residuals and royalty payments, like to see them go up. You, especially because streaming is very is different. Even than most forms of cable, whereas you think you can on a streamer, you can go to Netflix and you know somebody can hit can play an episode anytime, day or night, anywhere in the universe. As opposed to the traditional model, where you you know pr- reruns of programs would air on local TV stations or cable, you'd have a you'd have a finite number of plays. Um, traditionally, Hollywood, especially the creative community, has always been concerned about the amount of exposure for a product, especially in what's called the library life cycle which is about a year year and a half after something's original release it it shifts from a contractual point of view it shifts it it shifts to what's known as library content and people you know there's there's a fleet of accountants and business affairs people in Hollywood that have for decades have their job has been to track you know how how many plays this thing is getting in Switzerland and how many plays and that's you know because it all comes down to dollars and cents or kronigs or whatever but um, but now in a <clears throat> excuse me in a world where you can, anybody can go and you know cue that episode at any time, it really has it just it, it's a whole different paradigm for the way you value content. And again, that's going to be that's you know you, you're, there's going to be some arm wrestling in the labor negotiations room about okay how do we how do we define new ways to make sure that people are compensated? Right. Cause you hear from a lot of writers of stories of you get you know, you'll get a residual check of eighty dollars for you know for, you know, hundreds of plays of an episode and and that's a very different world where, you know, they those residual checks used to be a lot bigger in the old days when it was just broadcast T V and then cable.
0: We're joined by Cynthia Littleton, uh, business editor at Variety, talking about what's going on in the world of entertainment. But with this this concern about uh, about streaming and how this is going to play into new contracts, the role of Netflix ends up being important here. I, I read that, I guess, they cut their own deal with SAG-AFTRA.
1: They did. They have started Netflix in, um, for the last, you know, since Netflix really got into the content business of going on about six years ago. They had pretty much aligned themselves with the major studios and the major networks in terms of dealing with Hollywood unions. Hollywood is 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 certainly, if not the most, one of the most um, unionized businesses. One of the businesses that remains the most unionized in terms of the creative community. In terms of somebody stepping in front of a camera to be an, as an actor or putting pen to paper as a writer. All of that is very heavily unionized. Very little production goes on outside of Hollywood unions. There's such a strong culture in Hollywood in the creative community of being part of unions. Even directors that make you know tens of millions of dollars a year are you know will say, "I am a proud card-carrying member of the DGA." There's such a belief in the unions, and the unions have um, you know have just been able to they they have such a strong voice here and so they will be they will they you know they they have such a strong voice and and you know there's if there's no content you know content is hollywood's product if yeah. and if the people that make it are unhappy or on strike, you know, that, that's a big, big disruption in the in the pipeline.
0: One final story that uh, just, uh, I guess, is popping up in the last few hours. Taylor Swift back on social media again and she continues to have this fight with her former record producers Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun over the content that she made uh, prior with that company. I guess she wants to sing some of her old songs at the American Music Awards and they are not having any of that.
1: It, this has been a ping pong match all day. I haven't, I'm sure there's been a new development while we've been talking, but it, it, so it's obviously it's been very emotional for her and it's been, you know, music fans have been watching this back and forth. I think it fundamentally comes down to what we were just talking about, which is creative rights, the rights of intellectual property, the songs that she created. I don't, there's, again, there's so much emotion. I I'm guessing that she wanted to sing some songs on a award show and to do that you have to get the 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 show has to get a license permission from the song owner and although Taylor Swift wrote them she does not own them and I, and it sounds like because they have been having this larger beef for the last couple of months it sounds like maybe somebody a big machine said yeah well you know we're going to charge you top dollar if you want to play that song to uh, to the point where it, probably was cost prohibitive for the telecast to to say yeah. that, you know whereas in a in a situation where there's not such hostility oftentimes a a a song you know a license holder will say well since you're going to give me great exposure on national tv i'm not going to charge you top dollar i'm going to charge you you know i'll charge you this rate for for the song and but i really don't know there's been so much it's all been on social media i haven't read a, a deep dive on it but it is it's just another example of how um, you know, just the, the 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 tussle for creative rights and IP, and I think another fascinating example of how talent can they have they have such a megaphone now. And yeah. you know, if she's unhappy about something, she has many platforms to let the world know.
0: But just the fact alone that you said a moment ago, Cynthia, that that somebody like like Taylor Swift, has to pay to be able to do these songs on an award show is probably something that that the public in general probably did not know. Cynthia, thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, Cynthia Littleton, business editor at Variety. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.